tonight's Monday episode of Prospects After Dark. It is 8.30 on uh, July 9th. Here we are on a Monday. As all of you probably pretty well know, we used to do this every Monday night. And then the uh, Cardinals season took over, and we've been unable to do our thing on Monday nights. I am happy to be back on Monday nights. I believe wholeheartedly that Prospects After Dark is meant for Monday. Uh, so let's do it. Uh, hello to everyone. Hello to all of the loyal listeners, all of the loyal followers. Uh, you guys make this so enjoyable for me. Uh, I just wanted to say thank you one last time. We've got plenty to go over. We have a trade deadline looming. We have uh, trade deals being rumored. We have clubhouse riffs. We have uh, all-star snubs. Uh, there's a lot to talk about right now. Ben Cerruti, as always, presents us with the question before we even get started. Uh, C70 presented us with the question before we even got started. Uh, it, there's a lot to talk about. Uh, somebody said, best day of the week. Thank you very much, Tyler Moustache. Uh, we really, really appreciate it. Yeah, uh, as, uh, as uh, Iowa Neck, I believe it says, uh, said, we have a dirty 30. We're calling it the Dirty 35, the mid-season Dirty 35. Our top 35 prospect countdown. That's going to start uh, rolling out next Monday. We're still trying to tweak exactly how we are going to unveil it. Uh, but I've been doing a lot of groundwork. There's a lot of prospects to talk about. There's a lot of new guys entering our little list. And uh, uh, <laughs> there's a lot, lot, lot to go over. So uh, let's see. What are you drinking tonight? Oh, I didn't bring my bottle. Uh, so... <laughs> My bourbon tonight is Old Forester. Uh, it's nothing fancy, but it's a solid mid-level bourbon. Uh, again, nothing fancy. Believe it or not, the reason I got Old Forester is as I'm walking through the uh, the liquor aisle at Schnucks, uh, it dawns on me that Old Forester is like the most Matt Carpenter sounding bourbon out there, and I'm really pulling for Matt Carpenter to win the final vote. Uh, you know, some people, uh, I'm watching while driving on Highway 70. If I get a ticket, I'm sending it your way. That's fine. We'll have a GoFundMe. Send your uh, speeding tickets uh, and driving erratic tickets to uh, Cardinals Gifts. Uh, he'll pay your ticket. I hope Danny Mac gets to see a signature squint. So uh, if for all of the new people who may or may not be joining us, uh, I do a lot of squinting. I say a lot of really terrible things. I'm super awkward. I apologize for the awkwardness from the get-go. Uh, but this is a lot of fun. Uh, we encourage you to have as much fun as possible. Uh, bring ridiculous questions. We like ridiculous questions. We like ridiculous fun. Uh, I mentioned on the Twitter tweets that if you came, I would lick your face. Uh, I'm, I took a nap on the floor. The floor right here, right there. There's a floor right... Well, that's not the floor. Uh, but I took a nap on the floor earlier. I don't know how it happened. I'm basically a golden retriever. Hats off to my brother, Michael, who... Took 32 years to realize that I'm basically just a human version of a dog. Uh, should cards be in on Harper? Well, that's that's a kind of a loaded question, right? Well, so the Cardinals have, and not to not to hate on Dexter Fowler, but they have one underachieving right fielder, and they have a right fielder in Harrison Bader who should probably play as often as possible. You know, for me, like if you're talking about from a trade deadline perspective, then no, no, I would like to see Tyler O'Neill get those at bats. I'd like to see Harrison Bader get those at bats if they're going to give at bats away. Uh, I love Bryce Harper. He's a tremendously talented player with the batting average aside. Uh, I just don't know how he fits in. Pardon me, how he fits in with the way that the Cardinals are currently constructed. Gold mentioned that Tyler Webb could be coming up soon. Uh, he's only pitched one game in Memphis. Uh, you know, Derek Gould is a very smart and dialed in human being. Uh, I trust what he says. Um, Tommy Lane has pitched really well. I would think that he would also have a chance to find his way up to the major leagues. You know, 
more importantly, Tyler Lyons pitched incredible in his rehab assignment uh, yesterday or two days ago. Struck out the side. More importantly than who else might come up, whether it be Webb or Lane, uh, getting Tyler Lyons to pitch that way and pitch, uh, patron pitcher, to pitch the level that he pitched last year, that's more important to the Cardinals' bullpen than who the supplemental lefty could be. And also, Brett Cecil has pitched well when he's been used sparingly. So, uh, I would like to see Webb and I would like to see Lane both get a chance. I just, uh, here's crossing your fingers and hoping that Tyler Lyons uh, is the Tyler Lyons that we knew last year. Which I think it can be because we love Tyler Lyons. Uh, Hacking, clubhouse strife, and terrible free agent signings are the Cardinals a top five dysfunctional organization. I think right now, because we are a fan base, we feel that that dysfunction, right? We feel it hard. And between some of the comments that Mr. Mazelek has made, between some of the comments, well, not, you know, Mr. Fowler hasn't said a lot that makes him look bad. Uh, it's just, it's a really, really delicate situation right now. For me, it's hard to believe that an organization is dysfunctional when they're still winning and they're still, you know, again, they're not winning the way we all want them to do, but they're still above 500. And it seems like every, it just, it seems like the only dysfunction is from the fan base right now. Uh, it's, it's just aggressive, aggressive distaste uh, in the fan base. So I don't know. I, dysfunctional organizations in baseball, you know, I still think the Reds are dysfunctional. The fact that the Orioles haven't moved Machado, uh, you know, I think right now we're caught in the heat of the moment. And I think that that's a bummer. And hopefully in the next week or two, we have a little clarity on the situation. Now, should stats be valued? Older generation slash X players hate them. Uh, let's see. Oh, hey, Ryan, how are you? Uh, Molina has a better home run rate than Stanton. What a great season by Yadier Molina. I love to see him uh, succeeding the way he is. And now he's since, uh, since Buster Posey had to bow out of the All-Star game, it's got to be Yadier Molina to replace him. Uh, somebody said, uh, uh, Nick Malone says, Hi, Nick. Sweep Chicago and Cincy before the break. Uh, yeah. Uh, sweet. So if they sweep, first off, if they take two or three from Chicago, that is a step in the right direction. Uh, that's a step worth getting excited for. Uh, and then, depending on the letdown that might come with Cincinnati, because remember, for me personally, one of my major concerns about this particular club is they, are, they, they don't ride like the success. You know, they've had a couple of miraculous late-inning walk-off wins. Uh, they've, they've done some pretty amazing things late in games, and it never seemed to, like, jumpstart them. It kind of flatlines them. And, and they usually come out and don't exactly play enthusiastic the next game. Uh, that's a major concern for me. So I would like to see them win two or three from Chicago and then sweep Cincinnati or, you know, or wait, no, it'd be one of, you know what I mean. I, I'd like to see them, uh, sorry, I forgot these off days. That, uh... Uh, I'm sorry. I'm that was terrible on my part. Sorry, I keep saying that they're in Chicago, and I immediately go to the Cubs. Uh, I would like to see them take, and also the Monday Thursday thing on the day off has me screwed up. I apologize, guys. Uh, uh, I I completely apologize. Uh, but yeah, I'd like to see them take uh, both of the games against the White Sox, and then you know steer into Cincinnati uh, and and shut that thing down. Uh, let's see. God, I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. Uh, let's see. Hello, Tara. Nice to see you. A uh, key five-game series against the Cubs after the All-Star break. Yeah, you might as well... Uh... <sighs> so here's what we know, right? The Cardinals are entering the All-Star break, and uh, it's a really delicate time. They're, they're behind in the wild card. They're behind in the division. Uh, they, it would do them well to go into the All-Star break with the days off that they have 
uh, succeeding. We've had a bunch of questions here that I've missed as I've talked about like a jackass uh, over absolutely nothing. Uh, somebody says, Alaris uh, Montero. We'll be talking about Alaris here. Uh, is Jag still performing bad from Graham? Uh, Jag, for those of you who do not know, is Jose Adolis Garcia. Uh, he goes by Adolis Garcia now, but we call him Jag because it's a pretty cool sounding nickname and we're really, really simple people. Uh, I'm going to take a quick drink. So the Jag had a really rough first two months. He was, he was struggled in April and May. He was chasing after pitches and he was taking that out to the field. In June, he cleaned it up a little bit. Now, he wasn't striking out as much, and he wasn't getting on base, but he was making solid contact, and he was driving the baseball. Uh, I really don't know how it's been in July. Believe it or not, I've been so dug in into doing my Dirty 35 uh, that I haven't had chance to like dig in and see how it's been. But entering July, he had started to get his season back together. Uh, let's see. Helsley update. Uh, I do not have a Ryan Helsley update. He's still out with shoulder fatigue. Uh, I'm not going to say if I know if he's pitching or not. I, I can't say I have it confirmed or not. Uh, but uh, right now, he's not pitching in-game. And until he pitches in-game, you've got to wait for word on news. Uh, how should stats be valued? Older generation slash X players hate them. Younger gen think they're, uh, they are everything. Well, so I, dis I disagree with this, like that comment. I think that a lot of the people in the older generation... Uh, I think that they definitely have a distaste for it in their mouth. And a lot of the guys on the television are the guys like John Smoltz, the former players. Yeah, a lot of those guys are yelling. Uh, Tim McCarver is crotchety old man about it, which I love. I thought I thought Tim McCarver was incredible this weekend. He and Danny Mack are great together. And that's not just because Danny Mack might be in here. Uh, like, I love that. People got upset about some of the stuff McCarver was saying. I thought his anecdotes were hilarious. Uh, he was so enjoyable, but... Uh, uh, anyways, yeah, some of the older players get crotchety about it, and I think that, that it's kind of a misnomer that everyone in the next generation, like, adores them and loves them and uh, agrees with all of them. This is what I know. Now, I'm a very middle-of-the-road human being. I, I try my hardest to find the middle ground in everything. I think, I firmly believe that there's a place for the old-style stats and the new-style stats. And again, sabermetrics and first-gen or whatever you want to call them, like, here's what I personally believe. We should never hide from more information, but we should work on trying to understand that information better. We should work on understanding how that information applies and how serious the application is. Uh, I personally have been very critical of war over the years. Any war that has a strong defensive grade attached to it, uh, I'm a little leery of because you see oftentimes that defensive war guys will have a terrible season and then a good season and then an average season and then a terrible season, uh, especially outfielders. So I, I have a problem with that, but I'm not dismissive of it. None of us should be dismissive of it. We should try to find the other indicators to understand, to keep in context with war, to fully understand an entire profile. I think the issue is that there's an entire generation of people who want to go by a slash line and there's an, you know, it, there's there's a loud group of people that want to go by a slash line that are somewhat older and I think there's another group of people that want to go by user rating uh, and, and say that that's the only way to value a player and I think both are wrong and I think what we should be doing is we should be gathering as much information possible to create as much of a fleshed out picture as possible so uh, again you know I think that there's a place in baseball for every number that you see. It's just you have to decide which one of those numbers really tells a story. I think you're doing yourself a disservice if you're not uh, at least 
seeing the information coming in. Let's see. Uh, are we doing a countdown of the Dirty 30? So, uh, again, our, we're calling it the Dirty 35. It's the mid-season Dirty 35. And what we're going to do is uh, the first group... Actually, the first group is the draft picks who didn't make the list, who I could see being on the list uh, in a year time. Those guys will release those on Sat on Sunday, rather. Uh, and then the first group, 35 through 31, will come out next Monday, uh, All-Star Monday. Next group is on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, hopefully, we're going to try to keep to that schedule. You guys know how this thing gets. Uh, but I'm really excited about it. It's a lot of fun. Uh, we'll talk more about it as we go along. Uh, is Reyes or Munoz eligible? No, neither. Or neither. Neither. Uh, neither of those gentlemen, uh, Mr. Reyes or Mr. Munoz, are eligible for the Dirty 35. Now, Munoz has exhausted his rookie eligibility, and Reyes, you have to pitch, you have to be on a major league roster for 45 days or have pitched 50 innings in the major leagues uh, in order to, more than 50 innings, in order to exhaust your rookie eligibility if you're a pitcher. Um, Reyes is right at 50. He's still rookie eligible, but we're not, uh, we're not calling him a rookie. I, I want to tell you guys, so here's my thought is we've been talking about, uh, we have been talking about uh, Alex Reyes now for so long, and there's nothing that I can say that you guys don't already know. Uh, there's the apprehensions that I have about his health. You guys already know that. We've already talked about that extensively. I would rather remove him from the list because he's right on the cusp and tell you about somebody new. Uh, I'll give you the first, the first one. Uh, catcher number 35 on our dirty th our dirty 35 countdown is Carlos Soto. He is a 19 year old catcher at Johnson City. Uh, I'm not gonna give you his scouting report. Uh, I'll tell you he, his bat looks like it's gonna play, and that the Cardinals organization is excited about the defense. But anyways, if if I would have included Alex Reyes, I wouldn't have been able to talk about Carlos Soto. Uh, so you know, there's no Bader. Bader's exhausted his eligibility. Uh, no Hicks. Those guys are off the list because they're not prospects. They don't qualify as rookies. Uh, somebody said Oscar Mercado, uh, number one. Oscar Mercado is in the top five. Uh, where, where's Kyle pointing? I'm pointing to my little whiteboard that I have where I have the official list. Uh, you guys won't get to see that. I got limited for mentioning face licking. Damn it, Kyle, this is your fault. <laughs> well, if I knew how to turn it off. Uh, Face-looking MFKs, you guys know how it is. It's all free play. Yeah, you guys are doing really well. I'm, I'm almost at the licking stage right now. Kisner at AAA seems like Kelly on the way out. Uh, yeah, I, again, I don't know anything about that. I'm going to stay out. My personal stance on the Kisner, Kelly, Molina, catching depth thing is you can never have enough kept catching depth. And even though Carson Kelly uh, hasn't impressed everyone at the major league level, there's reason to believe that he will impress in the long run. Catchers take the most time to develop. It is an absolute fact. Their position is the most demanding. It's the toughest. And sure, he still does some things that are fringy, some things that you might worry about in the long run. He would do well to add about 10 pounds of muscle so that the balls that he's hitting to the track are going over the fence. Or, you know, the weak fly balls might find a gap. Uh, that would be a big step for him in the right direction. But remember with Carson Kelly, that gentleman, got he worked his tail off this offseason and every season leading up to now, not just to transition to catcher, but to get his co college diploma. I'm anxious to see what an offseason gets him, even at his age. Uh, you know, I, don't give up on Kisner, don't give up on Kelly. Uh, you know, I de you know how I, and you know I love Andrew Kisner, uh, one of my favorite prospects. He's a fine young man. Uh, I personally 
would love to see him at Memphis. And I, I can't imagine that it's been easy on him riding the shuttle from Springfield to Memphis and then back to Springfield uh, when he was so good at Memphis and he was holding his own there. It's not an easy transition to go back and forth. Uh, we've seen that with how his power has taken a small hit at Springfield. Uh, but it'll all come together. And nothing is wrong with being conservative in the development of prospects. We get so excited about wanting to see them in the majors uh, that I think sometimes we forget that an extra year in the minors is probably better for most players. Best time to get him right now, Abreu is struggling at the plate. I don't know. Oh, uh, Jose Abreu. You know, the, the old adage, or I guess the, the old rumor about Jose Abreu from the Chicago White Sox is that the White Sox wouldn't trade Jose Abreu. And the reason that they wouldn't trade Jose Abreu is because he's instrumental uh, in the development of Luis Robert and Robert Roberts and uh, 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 Yon Mancada. And uh, it seems like the White Sox, while they would entertain the idea, it would take a huge haul to get him that probably the Cardinals don't possess. But I love Jose Abreu. Uh, who's more likely to be going after the deadline, Fowler or O'Neal? Uh, you know, I'll, I don't have a feeling about it one way or the other. I'll say Dexter Fowler because I think it's the best thing for the organization. I love Dexter Fowler. You can tell he's a nice guy. You can tell he's a tremendous human being. It breaks my heart that his season isn't going the way that he would want it to, or the way that the Cardinals would want it to. But I just think for, for everything that's gone on, the best thing for all parties involved would be for Dexter Fowler to find another place. Uh, the best thing for me personally is for Dexter Fowler to start hitting and stay a Cardinal and be a tremendous asset to the city of St. Louis, uh, where I live and where I'm happy being. I think that that would be the best thing for everyone involved. Uh, but since that outcome doesn't seem so likely, uh, I would hope that it's Fowler. Why is everyone in such a hurry to classify what Kelly is? He has plenty of time still to develop. Well, I, again, what you're going to find with all prospects, right? Hold on. I'm going to get a little drink of water. What you're going to find with all prospects is if they don't come to the major leagues and perform astonishingly uh, at, from the get-go, that the fan base is going to kind of turn on them. Uh, the reason is nearly all of these prospects are – well, the reason is a lot of things, right? Because you want your players to perform. Uh, but part of the reason is nowadays you hear all of these prospects involved in like the rumors of like Carson Kelly traded for Chris Archer. And when Carson Kelly comes up and he wasn't traded for Chris Archer and he's not doing particularly well, uh, people get frustrated. Like, oh, man, his value has gone. You're not going to be able to trade him. It's easier to give up on a player than to have faith in a player. I, we, we've seen it as a fan base, and it's a bummer, uh, but that's just the truth of the situation. You know, one of the things that I've tried my hardest to do since I started writing about prospects and talking about prospects, you know, two years ago, two and a half years ago or whatever, is uh, – we need to keep our expectations in check. We should stay excited. We should be as excited as we humanly can be, uh, but we should never lose faith. I remember when Alan Craig first came up, and Alan Craig was terrible. And I loved Alan Craig as a minor league player. Uh, I, I, I told people over and over again, this guy's going to hit. He's going to be a great player. And he came up, and he was terrible. He was striking out. He looked bad at the plate. He wasn't getting full-on opportunities, uh, but he didn't look good, and people gave up on him. And then a year later, everyone was excited about an extension. You know, two years later, whatever. Everyone was excited about an extension. We're fans. We're prisoners of the moment. And it's more so now than it ever has been because of the communication streamline that we have with uh, social media. Mike Trout was rough in his first partial season. Yeah, great point, uh, Daniel C70. Uh, by the way, patron pitcher on his way soon. Excited about that. 
Um, Trout was bad. Think about Byron Buxton. You know, Byron Buxton was supposed to be the next Mike Trout, and he struggled to get uh, his feet underneath him. He showed signs at the end of two consecutive years that he might be breaking out, and he hasn't. It's because baseball is freaking hard. You know, we make fun of Mike Matheny for saying baseball's hard, and it's a kind of a throwaway soundbite. Yeah, but I coach a Little League baseball team. They're 13 years old. They don't see breaking pitches. Uh, they're athletic, but it's hard at that level. I can't imagine what it's like at the major league level. And again, the elite of the elite need to be playing it, and the best players should be playing. Uh, but baseball's hard. How are you, sir? Sorry I'm late. Hey, Mr. Hicks. Oh, oh. so real fast before we get to our Mr. Hicks cheer, uh, one of the regulars here at Prospects After Dark, a gentleman named Brian Love, is on a date this evening. Uh, so our first cheers is to Brian Love. I believe he's 18 years old. Uh, to you, sir. I hope you have a tremendous date. I hope this lady is lovely. And uh, if you put on pad and you tell, I'll sing to the two of you. That's cheers number one. As Mr. Hicks comes into our lovely endeavor, we raise our glass one more time to not only Jordan Hicks, who I believe was snubbed as an all-star. Uh, I'm also heavily biased. Uh, and to uh, Mr. Jason and uh, Madame Jennifer Hicks. Uh, we raise our glass to you. You are the godparents of this fine program. Uh, we love you. Ah, all right. So we we've got some. Oh, hey, Melissa, how are you? Welcome to our little program. How's Jonathan Machado doing? Uh, Mo mentioned him on the radio the other day. Well, a brief rundown of Jonathan Machado's season. Jonathan Machado at nineteen was given an advanced promotion to Peoria to start the year, and he really struggled. He didn't strike out a lot, but he makes. He's a small guy. He wasn't making strong contact. Uh, a lot of he was grounding balls, like dead grounding balls. Uh, he's fast. And he's a solid, rangy center fielder who has kind of a sub-average arm. But about a month and a half into the season or so, they pulled Machado out of Peoria. Again, that's an aggressive promotion. As anyone knows, we kind of expected him to struggle there. Uh, was sent to extended spring training, got a chance to breathe. And since being assigned to Johnson City at the beginning of the Johnson City season, he has been incredible. Uh, what I'm seeing out of John Jonathan Machado... And it's the same thing that all the scouts said about him when the Cardinals signed him as an international free agent in 2016. Is uh, He has the ability to short stroke a ball to left center as well as any lefty. He has kind of that Ichiro motion, that Ichiro Magnuri Sierra motion where he's kind of running as he's hitting the ball. There's not going to be a lot of power. The home run that he hit, uh, he yanked right down the foul line, uh, right down the fair line rather, uh, down right field. Uh, that's where his power will come. Uh, but he is doing great at Johnson City, which is where he needs to be doing great in. I don't invest much in what happens in Peoria other than it's a tough assignment for someone his age and someone his skill level and someone his size. Because, I mean, you see him and you think that kid's 5'10 and 130. Uh, how has Delvin been this year? Delvin Perez has been a a really, really good thing for the Cardinals so far this year. Delvin's playing for State College. His arm at shortstop looks strong. As a matter of fact, uh, three times now, I've seen him bobble balls at third and make up for it with a nice, strong, hard throw. Not bobble, but, you know, like, kind of struggle with the ball a little bit. Uh, his bat is coming along. He had his first three-hit game of the season over the weekend. He has multi-hits in four of his last ten at least. It might be five of his last 13. Uh, he's playing good defense. Uh, he's hustling. He seems engaged in the game. Uh, again, 
he's probably 145 pounds soaking wet, so there's not going to be much power. You can see he's struggling against advanced breaking pitches, but it's been a very good start to the season for Delvin Perez. Uh, is there anyone coming into the Rule 5 this year that you know will be protected? That's a great question, Mr. Hicks. Uh, so the Rule 5, how the Rule 5 draft works is the Cardinals have to protect any player that they drafted over the age of 18 that has been in the system for five years. Uh, if they were over the age of, uh, if they were 18 or under, rather, then they get six years of control of that player before they have to protect them. I haven't dug in, and I apologize for that, Mr. Hicks. Uh, my hope is that once I get through the Dirty 35, uh, and then we get through the Arizona Fall League assignments, which we'll start hearing about here in the next couple weeks, um, that then I can start spending some time on on who the players that need to be protected are. Uh, Daniel Ponce de Leon would be one, the first one that comes to my mind. Uh, but he's already on the 40, man, so that's not an issue. Uh, Andrew Morales, Patrick Wisdom will be a minor league free agent, so he won't be one. He'll have a chance to sign wherever he wants. Uh, getting out of Florida was probably good for Delvin. Change of scenery was probably needed. Uh, I think that's part of it, but I also think that do not forget, and it's the same thing with Nolan Gorman, uh, Dylan Carlson, uh, Jonathan Machado. We live, we levy heavy expectations on teenagers. Uh, you know, the Cardinals signed a third baseman, a 16 or 17 year old third baseman in the international signing period. He was like the 23rd or 26th best prospect for $300,000. He's a teenager. He's literally a child. Delvin Perez, I mean, if he, he's 18. He could vote. You know, Dylan Carlson can vote. But they're still kids. You know, Bryce Denton is a player who... Bryce Denton and Nick Plummer are two players that have... They're polarizing amongst the fan base that follow the minor leaguers. leaguers. People are hateful towards those players. Uh, Denton's only 20 years old. He had to deal with appendicitis and an appendectomy last year. He never got his weight back. And now he's starting to hit, and you think, oh, wait, he's only 20 years old at a full-season club. Nick Plummer's kind of the same way. You know, Nick Plummer missed a year and a half, his first year and a half, because of injury. There's reason to believe that these guys could eventually take the next step. They're starting to show signs. Uh, but just keep in mind with Delvin. Keep in mind with Nolan Gorman, uh, Mateo Gill. Uh, keep in mind with these guys that until they're stateside, until they're in their 20s, Let's be careful about the expectations that we, we, get, we put upon them. Because baseball isn't easy. Uh, hold on. I know I've been missing a ton of questions. Uh, the plumber put a dent in my toilet. Oh, you guys are well done. Uh, let's see. Best pitching prospect in the Cardinals system from Drake Man. Uh, and best hitting prospect in the Cardinals system. Well, I'm not going to answer that. Uh, what I will tell you is our Dirty 35 is rolling out next week. Uh, and the best hitting prospect and the best pitching prospect will be in the top five. Uh, look, you guys know the shortlist, right? Uh, I, I'll, you know, he's on the outside looking in, but Randy Rosarena, Andrew Kisner, Oscar Mercado, Tyler O'Neill still, who has rookie eligibility, Nolan Gorman, uh, pitchers, Ryan Helsley, Dakota Hudson, uh, 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 Griffin Roberts, uh, it's in that group. Kyle, oh, hi, uh, Steele, how are you? Can't watch tonight, but wanted to share, and I will listen tomorrow. Hey, my pleasure, Steele. Thank you for popping in, saying hello, and uh, I hope you enjoy it tomorrow, buddy. I hope you have a great night. Uh, Graham says Tommy Edmond. Now, and without giving away very many spoilers, what I will tell you is Tommy Edmond is in the top 15 for sure. He's worked his way from the early 20s up into the top 15, and uh, he's had a really great year. Uh, when will Robert start pitching? That's a great question, Chi-Town Cardinals. Uh, hey, Ryan Shul, how are you, buddy? 
Um, so here's the deal with, with uh, Griffin Roberts, right? And I went back and I looked at Dakota Hudson and Zach Gallen, some of the other pitchers that pitched in college that were drafted by the Cardinals that pitched a lot of innings in college. And what we saw was uh, those pitchers usually pitch in like the last 10 days of July. And again, they'll be pitching in somewhat of a relief role. You might not be happy because uh, there's a chance, you know, like Peter Gammon said during dra draft day that there was a chance that uh, Griffin Roberts might make a major league impact. I'm glad the Cardinals aren't doing that. Uh, he's pitched a lot of innings. He pitched over 100 innings this year. And uh, so I would think in the next two weeks, we're seeing Griffin Roberts make his debut. I'd love, I'd love to shrock within the next couple of years. Possible? Uh, yeah, brother, you shrock whatever you want. You get in deep, you dig in, you get toe deep, and you shrock like the Dickens, my friend. Um, no, I, uh, I know what you're saying. I would like to see Max shrock too. You know, t looking back at it, thinking back at it, he might be one of the players that needs to be protected from the Rule 5 draft. He might be a year away from that. I don't exactly remember for sure. Uh, but I would expect that Max Schrock will find his way under the 40-man by the end of the year. Um, and I would suspect that as long as he's still in the Cardinals organization, he'll get a chance to, uh, to, to show everybody what he has. Somebody said they're starting to think that Walker Robbins might not be a future Hall of Famer. I wouldn't bet against it. No, for real. Like, and again, Walker Robbins is a perfect example, right? You see all the tools there. He's kind of a big boy. Uh, but he re-engineered his swing. He was trying to become the best first baseman that he could be, and he's really, really struggled. The Cardinals paid above bonus for him. They had high hopes for him, and it just didn't work out. It just doesn't work out sometimes. Uh, the, you guys know what I say. We're going to have two prospects after dark shirts. One's going to be I, and then an avocado, and then pad. And then the other one is going to be the Major League Baseball draft is a feral animal. Uh, first round picks break. 40th round picks make the major leagues. It's a beautiful, beautiful, exhausting thing uh, that the, every organization does once a year. And uh, I definitely do not, like, I'm not envious of their position, although I'm highly envious of their position. And a Larry's Montero update from BQ Train. Uh, for those of you who don't know, first off, I am... Oh, you think Ronnie Williams gets another shot? I think he's a Rule 5 guy. You know, I, I don't know if he gets... so. I would definitely, so the thing about Ronnie Williams is Ronnie, Ronnie Williams had, had a, hold on, I just had, I had information overload there, I apologize, that was awesome, you guys literally just watched my brain explode, uh, Ronnie Williams, entering last year, looked like he was going to be a top 20 prospect in the organization, he really struggled at Peoria, uh, he's a smart kid who understands what he does and doesn't do wrong, and I think sometimes it weighs extra heavy on him, I think we saw that last year, he Came into spring training this year, ready to pitch out of the bullpen, and was great. He looked like the Ronnie Williams that we all thought that we were hoping to see, uh, that we were all hoping to see entering the 2017 season. Uh, <laughs> uh, and then he had to have Tommy John surgery. So what I think is, I don't think that an organization outside of the Cardinals will take a chance on a player that is coming off a of Tommy John surgery that has the the statistical anomalies that Ronnie Williams has. I think he'll stay in the Cardinals organization. I think he'll pitch in the Cardinals organization next year uh, when he's ready to pitch. And I would imagine that because of his 40-man situation, that he would end up being on somewhat of a fast track out of the bullpen. Uh, another question I'm sure I'll be asked about is Junior Fernandez. Junior Fernandez has been pitching exclusively out of the Palm Beach bullpen. I do not know what his future is. I've been asking and asking and asking. Uh, I was told 
that the plan was to eventually transition him back to a starting role. I was also told that if it looks like the success that he's having out of the bullpen will keep him in the bullpen. Uh, I think it's a very much, I think it's a fluid situation, uh, and I think that we'll see that play out over the season. Uh, do you know? Uh, okay, so somebody asked, do you know much about William Jimenez? Uh, Jimenez hitting over 400 at the Gulf Coast League. Um, no, I don't. Again, I, I say it all the time. The Gulf Coast League and the Dominican Summer League, I spend very little time on. I, I want to be able to provide you with as much information about Johnson City on up. Uh, I look at the stats, uh, but I don't dig heavy into those guys. Uh, Terry Fuller you do because you love Terry Fuller. Uh, you know, there's guys that you do. Um, but let's let them get to Johnson City. The Dominican Summer League and the Gulf Coast League are two weird leagues because most of the time the age bracket is from 17 to 23 with varying levels of success and uh, talent and lack of talent. And those stats usually don't mean anything. Uh, finally getting to watch again. Oh, hey, Kendra Nicole. Oh, it's so nice to see you. Welcome. Uh, how much have you talked about Montero? Oh, so again, Larry's Montero. Thank you for bringing him back up. I, I get distracted. I apologize to whoever asked the question. Uh, Alaris Montero is a third baseman for Peoria who has, uh, on May like May 10th of this year, I said he was going to be, the, and you know, with a gif and everything, I said that he was going to be the next big prospect, in the, like the next talked about prospect in the Cardinals organization. Uh, that was before they drafted Gorman, of course, and Roberts. He's had, he had a really great first half of the season for Peoria. Solid. His K rate was a little high. It was like 25%. And his walk rate was like 7 uh, Both of those numbers weren't going to be good enough. Uh, but he was only 19 playing in the Midwest League. And he was holding his own. And he was anchoring the Peoria lineup. And pitchers were careful with him. Well, since the All-Star break, he has gone nuts. He's lowered his K rate. His K rate over the last 100 and something at bats uh, is down to... 20%. His walk rate is right at 10% over that. Uh, he's hitting power. He's hitting doubles. Uh, he's controlling his swing. He's turning on inside fastballs. He's filthy right now. And yes, there's a very good chance that Mr. Montero is due for a promotion. Uh, I hate the Florida State League, which is where Palm Beach plays, and that would be his next step up. Uh, and there's no reason to rush him to Springfield yet because you have Evan Mendoza who needs to get every rep he can at third base. Uh, Although he's been pretty damn good over there this year. It's uh, just not going to hurt him to get as many reps as possible. Um, so what I'm getting at is, unless Palm Beach is on a playoff run, uh, I like him in Peoria for as long as possible. He's kind of a shaky defender. Uh, Mr. Hicks says he loves that uh, Prospects After Dark sign. Yeah, that's awesome, right? Cards Gifts made that for me a long time ago, and I didn't have any bobby pens to put it in. Uh, or, you know, uh, thumbnails or whatever they're called. Um, uh so yeah, that's that's Larry's Montero. He's he <laughs> he's a top ten prospect in the organization, undoubtedly. Uh, I've heard somebody said that somebody wrote an article like questioning his athleticism or talking about like how much he how out of shape he has the potential to be. Man, these are the same conversations that people said about Pujols. That's that's kid stuff, man. That's kids' evaluations. That's trying to fill column inches, man. Uh, anyways, I don't know who that was. I'm sorry if you were the person who wrote it. Uh, I just I was asked about it today at work, and I literally laughed out loud. Uh, so there's that. Um, let's see. How much have you talked? Okay. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Uh, who goes down for Gregerson and Lions? Uh, Bryce Denton on fire in the minors, and Mendoza struggling in Springfield. All right. So look, before we go to the Gregerson Lions thing, 
Uh, Mendoza, don't think of Mendoza as struggling. Think of the league adjusting to Evan Mendoza. This is what happens oftentimes when a player gets an advanced promotion to either double-A AA or triple-A at a very young age with very little experience. Uh, he's still doing well enough for me. It's the same conversation that we had about Tommy Edmond last year. The Cardinals had to be aggressive with Tommy Edmond last year and put him in Springfield. And all you wanted to see is that he wasn't striking out to the point where you were like, 25%? That's not going to work. I think he's right at 18% in AA. That's still too high for him. That's not the type of hitter he is. Uh, but what I'm getting at is he's not a very experienced hitter. He's playing great defense there, and that's what matters to me. It'll get better for Evan Mendoza. As long as he's not floundering, as long as he's not hitting 170, uh, as long as he continues to play good defense, it's fine. Uh, Poole hit a home run in high school on top of my old high school 500 feet away. That's awesome. Uh, I missed it. J.B. Woodman update. Drake, man, there isn't a whole lot to say about J.B. Woodman. Uh, I know a lot of people... Hold on. I know a lot of people got a little excited about J.B. Woodman hitting for power and having like a 280 average earlier in the year. But remember, he's old for the Palm Beach age, and it's nice to see any hitter hitting well at Palm Beach. Uh, but he still strikes out too much. And he still hasn't earned himself a promotion to Springfield. And until he starts hitting at double A at the age that he's at, there isn't much to update. Uh, he's a fine organizational depth piece at this point. And he's something that the Cardinals don't have at the higher levels. And that is left-handed hitting. Uh, damn it, now I have a backtrack. Uh, it was Carlos Soler, not Carlos Soto. I don't know what happened. I'm sorry. Uh, wait, I missed it. Who did he say is getting sent down for Gregerson or Lyons? I haven't said anyone yet, but that's a perfect transition. Thanks for putting that on a tee for me. Uh, do you think we trade Bader or O'Neill soon? I don't know. Um, I, my, I would suspect that John Brebbia would be the first one to go. I know that's not what you want to hear, uh, but I would think Brebbia would be the first one to go just because of how it all works out. Um, and then after that, I really don't know. I don't know what that next move is. I was looking at the 40-man a little while ago, and I thought, you know, honestly, the, the move would be John Gant. You send John Gant back down uh, because you don't need him before the break, and you won't need him immediately after the All-Star break. You call up either Gregerson or Lyons in his place, and uh, you, you let it roll a little bit. Unless, of course, John Gant got sent down, and I didn't know about it, which has happened before. Uh... Oh, wait, hold on. Oh, we got Carlos Soto talk. I love it. Uh, he hasn't been the sharpest recently. Gomber, relief pitcher or starting pitcher from our friend GM Gersh. You guys know how I feel on this one, too. Uh, I view Austin Gomber as a starting pitcher. I've always viewed him as a starting pitcher. Um, our friend Forever Cards, Todd, uh, hates Austin Gomber. He hated him before he got called up to the major leagues. Uh, uh, here's my thought is... Gomber is good against righties. He's good against lefties. He's never pitched exclusively to lefties, and that was kind of his role in the major leagues. He was used as a lefty specialist, and it didn't work out. Uh, he was also used heavy when he first got brought up to the majors. Well, not first, because when he first was brought to the majors, he wasn't used, and then in his second turn is when he was used for three innings to start, uh, maxed out a little bit, and then struggled to recover and get his stamina back. Uh, his sharpness back and when he finally got a sharpness back you saw him pitch well and then you saw him being used as a loogie and that's not the role that he's meant to play uh austin gomber for the organization it's in the best the best and it's it would be for the best for the organization for austin gomber to stay as a starting pitcher 
Uh, what do you think a possible trade package for Arenado would look like? Uh, so, okay, so one thing I'm going to say about Nolan Gorman real fast. Because I've seen people talk about trading Gorman for Arenado. Keep in mind that the Cardinals cannot trade Nolan Gorman until after this season. Now, they could still do that player-to-be-named-later thing that Trey Turner suffered through uh, before the rule was changed. Back when Trey Turner was traded to the, uh, the Nationals from the Padres, uh, he was traded almost immediately after he was drafted. Uh, and he, or, he, you know, he was traded after he was drafted, and the rule was you had to be in a system for one year before you could be traded. And uh, so he, he, his, development, his development was coordinated between um, uh, the Padres and the Nationals, and then when he was finally able to be traded, they traded him. So they could do the same thing with Norlin Gorman uh, to get Arenado. And honestly, I personally believe the Cardinals do not have a package Without, I, I don't think the Cardinals have a package that gets Arenado. That gets Arenado. I don't think that the, I don't think the Rockies would trade Arenado. Not until they absolutely have to. Just kind of like we're seeing with Machado right now in the Orioles. Uh, I, I just don't see it possible. I also saw somebody say something. Uh, 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 I also saw somebody say something. And yes, Arenado's year is next year. But remember, same situation with Machado. Um, I also saw somebody say that Dakota Hudson would be a perfect fit in uh, um, he'd be a, Dakota Hudson would be a perfect fit because he's a sinker ball on a pitch to contact uh, pitcher in, in Colorado and I disagree. The one thing that they found is that it's the flamethrowers that are having an effect in Colorado. That's not what Dakota Hudson is exactly. And sure, you would think sinker ball, uh, but remember the big deficiency in Dakota Hudson's game, what keeps him from being a, like a realistic major league option, what keeps him from forcing the Cardinals' hands in this particular discussion, is that he struggles to get ahead of hitters. So what ends up happening is he gets behind on hitters and it's pitch to contact, and then that's what you see. Which pad audience member would bring the most in a trade? Uh, cards gifts. Easy. Unless Danny, Danny Mack is watching and then it's Danny Mack. Uh, but the real answer is Mr. Jason Hicks, uh, the godfather of pad. He, that dude, he's an 80 on the 80 scale. Uh, what the, what the, WTF are the Rockies doing with John Gray? Uh, so we talked a lot about um, uh, old stats versus new stats, right? And, and how they work and relate with each other. Here's what I think is total guess. But I would imagine that John Gray probably felt like he was treading water. He probably felt exhausted. Uh, he wasn't getting the results that he wanted. Uh, and I don't think it hurts him to go down. And it's not like the Rockies are in the heat of a battle for a playoff spot and they can't afford to send him down. Um, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Hicks, so Mr. Hicks, Dan McLaughlin, and uh, Cards Gifts have no trade clause. They, they're 10-5 they're guys. Uh, no trade. Um, and I would imagine that it was just as much for a psychological rest as anything. He's a very talented young man who I wish was a member of the Cardinals organization. Uh, it's just, again, getting back to prospect development, to player development, it's always okay to have a little extra time in the minors to regroup when needed. We saw the Cardinals do it with Randall Gritchick, and it seemed to work sometimes. Uh, Colton Wong, and it seemed to work. Uh, how would Babe Ruth be? If he played in today's baseball, he'd be the greatest of all time. He'd be, he'd be swole. He'd be built like Giancarlo Stanton, and I would hope he'd be drunk all the time. But if it was, if it was like actual Babe Ruth, time machine, finds his way into, uh, uh, finds his way into a baseball game in 2018, 
Uh, I still think he'd hit. I just think he'd get super plastered, and there would be a million stories written about him the next day, and fan bases would hate him, and then the lunatic fringe like myself would love him, and uh, it'd be a whole thing. Speaking of, I'm sitting in my car, what's up? What's up, Brian Love? Oh, wait. Oh, Brian, we cheered you. Brian, is your girl there? Uh, is it time for me to sing? What's going on in the car? Okay, uh, Urias hits two doubles tonight and is hitting decent. Triple A promotion on the way. So Ramon Urias uh, signed as a free agent out of the Mexican League this winter time. Started the year at Memphis because of injuries and injuries that got Jairo and Jairo Munoz starting. Jairo Munoz starting the year with the Cardinals struggled mightily in Memphis. Went back down to Springfield, hit the ball, hit the hammered the baseball. Uh, then got promoted to Memphis and struggled again. Promoted back down to Springfield, and in his last three games, he has like two home runs, a three-run shot, a solo job. He had two doubles tonight. I think he has another double in that time period. Uh, I don't think it would hurt him to get a promotion. I personally, as he's a utility infielder, I believe that Tommy Edmond is more deserving. Uh, I think Urias would go because Urias is more of a slugger. Uh, but the reason I want to talk about Urias, and I'm mispronouncing his last name. I want to say that. It's, it's like Urias. Um, is because now we're starting to get an idea of what the Mex or how the Mexican League translates. Hold on. The Mexican League is like high-class Palm Beach. It's like the best of the best at A or just your standard double A. Like that's where the Mexican League fits in. And the reason I feel comfortable saying that is just looking at the way Randy Arena produced last year uh, upon first entering the minors and where Ramon Urias is, and how uh, Urias is performing right now. He was a monster in the Mexican League. And I've heard him, through an interpreter, talk about struggling with breaking pitches, seeing more breaking pitches, and it being a lot on him. Um, also, higher velocity, which he struggled with. Uh, that's where the Mexican League is. And he's not as good at double A as he was in the Mexican League. So that like tips us off that that's how that league translates in the current... Uh, echelon of minor league baseball. Now, if you got a promotion to AAA, only promote him if he's going to play. Same thing with Tommy Edmond. Uh, but yeah, sure, I'm, I'm on board for it. Uh, what is the max I see out of Gyro Munoz? So Gyro Munoz is a... <sighs> you know, I've been saying almost since the minute that the Cardinals traded for Gyro Munoz, and you can find tweets on when it happened, is he he's so much like Johnny Peralta that it seemed too obvious to make the comparison. I think... That's his ultimate ceiling. I think, you know, Johnny Peralta had like five or six years where he hit more than 20 home runs. Uh, he, I don't think Jairo Munoz will ever be the shortstop Johnny Peralta was. And remember, by the time Johnny became a Cardinal, his shortstop acumen had died down. Uh, what I've always seen out of Jairo Munoz is a, a proclivity for third base. Like, he seems perfectly suited for third base. And I think if he went to third base, I think he'd be fine. What... What what concerns me about Jairo Munoz is that I don't understand why people aren't abusing him with breaking pitches outside in the zone. Uh, that's how teams were effective early on in the year. That's how they were effective against him in the minor leagues. Uh, he did a great job of poking that, that little breaking pitch yesterday uh, and, and getting a couple RBIs out of it, taking it to right center field. Uh, but the fact that they even pitch him anywhere other than low and outside with breaking stuff is a complete question to me. And I feel like once we start seeing that again, that'll give us a better indication of who Jairo Munoz is. But how I feel is I very much would like to see Jairo Munoz get 
a good deal of playing time at third base with Matt Carpenter at first base and Jose Martinez potentially traded. Although, I absolutely love Jose Martinez. Uh, or playing... Uh, oh, God, the Cardinals outfield. Uh, uh, but, yeah, I, that's, that's how I feel. Uh, is the stream buffering way more than usual for anyone else tonight? Uh, I love the leap Wong has made defensively at second base. The consistency is, is where the leap has been, and it's been incredible. Uh, how can you slow this dude down? You can't. You just hit me with the taser. I'm still going. Uh, somebody says it's time to trade Jose Martinez. I think that that is a very, very smart option for the St. Louis Cardinals. Um, I think, you know, the thing you always say about a player like that is you want to trade them when their value is as high as possible. And I think that that time has probably already come for Jose Martinez. I would think that a month ago, that's probably where his value was at the highest. Um you know, I think most teams would be concerned about his ability to play first, but I think a lot of teams would be curious about putting him in a corner outfield and letting it play. There's a DH option, although most teams in the American League don't really need much of a DH up, upgrade. Um, anyone can play DH, obviously. Um, if the Cardinals are going to trade one person, uh, first off, uh, hello from 360 team. If you want to help some project on Periscope, it's our project. Hello. Um, I don't, I don't know what that means. I don't know. Uh, I don't know what that means. Um, Anyways, I'm jumping from one thing to the other. I'm all over the place. With Munoz, I think that he has a chance to be a very interesting uh, third baseman. I, I want to see him play third base regularly. Uh, I think Jose Martinez would be a tremendous trade chip, and I'd love to know what his return would be. And I think the Cardinals would do themselves well to trade him. Uh, who is the one major league player on the current roster that has the greatest chance to be traded? Well, Dexter Fowler. I think it's Dexter Fowler. Uh, somebody said they'd package uh, uh, Martinez and Carson Kelly. Uh, cards, gifts, no problem. Thanks for sharing and attention. I don't know what that means. Okay, so Jake Walsh. Uh, real fast, somebody said Raider Escanio. Uh, Raider Escanio's been exactly what you expect, Raider Escanio. He was a prospect that the Cardinals got in exchange for Mike Leake last year in eating Mike Leake's contract. He's a defensive first short, shortstop who's kind of weird at short, believe it or not. And uh, who probably will never make it above double A if he makes it to double A. Um, how's Trevor and have been stalking him? I don't know. Oh, you know, Trevor Rosenthal. So we saw some video of Trevor Rosenthal pitching off of the mound a couple weeks ago. Haven't seen anything since. Uh, I don't know how he's progressing. I wish I did. I wish I was paying attention. I am not, unfortunately. And, uh, yeah, that's what I have. The next person I want to see promoted uh, from AAA is Stubby Clap. Uh, oh, we want, <laughs> we want uh, Scott Hurst News. So, uh, unless I'm mistaken, Scott Hurst is currently on the DL at Peoria. Getting away from that, because I could be wrong, he could have just been activated. I, I didn't check today. I know they played today. I know Paul Bel uh, Balestrieri, who threw the no-hitter earlier in the year. Uh, I know he got rocked today. Um, I don't know if Hurst played or not. Uh, but Scott Hurst is in the Dirty 35. Uh, he's in the Dirty 30, actually. And what I'll say about Scott Hurst is I've been, I was a bit of a doubter, and now I'm a bit of a believer. And uh, what, I, what I feel about Scott Hurst is that he does a tremendous job of staying defensive in two-strike counts, in pitcher's counts. Uh, he has the ability to slap the ball. Everything about Scott Hurst reminds me of John Jay. Everything about him, man. It's just, he's a, he has a better arm out in the outfield. He's a little bit rangier. Uh, he doesn't have, like, people forget that John Jay had, like, 10-plus home run power in the minors. He had, like, 10-plus, maybe 15-plus stolen base 
uh, capabilities in the minors. And of course, that didn't manifest in the majors, and that goes to show you the disconnect between majors and minors. Uh, but that's the kind of player that I get to see Scott Hurst beating if he keeps the contact rate up, if he keeps that, that slap hit tool in line. You know, a lot of people would want a prospect to increase their power numbers, and I definitely want to see that out of Scott Hurst. I want to see that out of every prospect. I just, I think what he's doing now, if he continues to get better at it, is in his best option. And I like Scott Hurst a lot. Uh, we need to trade as many current players as possible for high-end prospects. Maybe. Uh, they're still above 500, and I want to see what it looks like here in, in two weeks. Seeing production this year, do we still make the Marco Gonzalez-Tyler O'Neill trade? Yeah, I think so. Uh, what I will say, hold on. Look at it this way. Uh, Tyler O'Neill hasn't, still hasn't gotten a fair shake in the major leagues, and that's just how this thing works. We still don't know what Tyler O'Neill is going to look like at the major league level. Uh, Marco Gonzalez has been incredible for Seattle. Uh, that ballpark is better for him. But what, uh, what's more important to me is, you know, I know a lot of people aren't high on John Gant. I get it. But I personally like John Gant better than Marco Gonzalez. And, uh, you know, I'll probably end up eating those words by the end of the year. And John Gant's in the rotation. And they still have rotation options beyond... Oh, God, I lost the top of the pen. Uh, they still have rotation options beyond John Gant. Uh, at the minor league level. So, you know, if you're asking me what's more important to have another... You can never have enough pitching, of course. Uh, the Cardinals don't have left-handed pitching depth other than Austin Gomber. Um, and Evan Kuczynski, who's hurt with a hamstring injury, who we'll get into in the Dirty 35. Um, but Tyler O'Neill is power, and that's something that the Cardinals don't have readily available. Uh, oh, hey, uh, Victoria Dryden, hello there. John Gant is underrated. I agree, Eric Thomas. John Gant is extremely underrated. I don't know what I did with the top of this pen. Uh, uh, predicted 2019 outfield. Uh, here's what's going to happen with the 2019 outfield. You're going to have Barry Bonds. Uh, you're going to have Bryce Harper. And you're going to have Kenny Lofton. And it's going to be the best outfield in the history of baseball. Uh, let's trade for Jake Diekman. That must be Graham. Got to be Graham. Uh, hello, 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 Victoria. Uh, what you got on Connor Green? Lance Dance. Connor Green was one of the toughest players that I, I had to rank on the Dirty 35. Keep pointing to the whiteboard. Uh, it's really simple with Connor Green. All that he has to do is clean up his command. Because right now, he's, he's walking more hitters than he's striking out at Memphis. Uh, his rate was like 20% strikeout rate at Springfield and. 15% walk rate at Springfield when he was a starter. He's transitioned to the Memphis bullpen. Uh, until he gets his command under control, he's not necessarily an option, but there's a mechanical adjustment to be made there. I think I know what it is, but I'm not going to speculate on it just yet because I haven't dug as deep as I would have liked. I think I see it. I think I know what it is. Uh, but... All it would take now that he's pitching out of the bullpen is a, is finding that little that little bit of command, that little bit of control, and uh, man, the future could be super bright for him. And the future could be super bright as a back end of the bullpen piece. Uh, Kevin, uh, yeah, so Kevin Hergrit or Hergrit or however you pronounce his name, he had one of the best starts in the minor leagues last year. Uh, late into the year, uh, Mr. Mr. Kevin, we'll call him because I butchered his poor last name. Uh, pitched like a, a complete game and he struck out like 13 kind of out of nowhere 
Over the last two years, he's gone, let's see, uh, speaking of Kenny Lofton, thoughts on Jonathan Machado. They're not anywhere near the same player. Not anywhere near the same player. Speaking of Magnura Sierra, what are your thoughts on Jonathan Machado? Um, oh, God, see, just that fast I get derailed. Uh, would you be opposed to trading Marcelo Zuna? No, I would not be opposed to trading Marcelo Zuna. If, if I'm in Mr. Mazalek's position, and I understand that there probably needs to be a little bit of a clubhouse shuffle, I would listen on all of my players. Uh, of course, you're not going to listen down Yachty because there's no way, and you're not going to listen on Wainwright because there's no way. Uh, but I'd be willing to listen, and Carlos Martinez probably, uh, but I'd be willing to listen on nearly everyone else. And if I got a deal that I felt like I couldn't refuse, yeah, I'd trade all of them. Uh, let's see. Thoughts on Elnieri Garcia? Uh, again, pr mispronouncing, butchering his first name. My thoughts are nothing more than minor league depth. Uh, I like the fact that the Cardinals are being aggressive over the last couple of years of trading international cap money that they're not going to be able to spend for supplemental pieces for their organization. Uh, Garcia has a checkered pass. He had the 80-game suspension. You guys know all that stuff. Uh, what I know is when I watch him, he has a breaking pitch, a curveball, is what I think it is, uh, that that looks like it might be able to play if he can learn how to mix it with the fastball well. But he has a command issue with this fastball, too. So right now, it isn't anything. You know, I, I keep a closer eye on, uh, on Webb and Lane. Uh, and then you just never know where it's going to fall after that. Uh, J.A. Happ with a higher ERA than Cole Hamels. Hello, Graham. Welcome to the show. Uh, do you think the Cardinals can hit a stride and make the playoffs? Ah, that's a tough one. Uh, look, anything could happen, right? And I do feel like a couple weeks back we saw them playing their very best, and we were all pretty damn impressed with what their very best looked like. It needs to be more consistent. And, you know, they need, they need the very best of all their players. And maybe, you know, we've talked a lot about how one roster move isn't going to do it. But maybe one roster move gets them clicking. Because right now, it, and I've been saying it, and it's the patient way, the patient, the patient approach. It's the least easy approach for all fandom. Uh, but it's the patient approach. And that is the Cardinals' best bet is to get all of their hitters hitting at the same time. And the reason I say that is because that's just how the Cardinals' organization works. They're not necessarily the most aggressive about trading for any type of short-term assets. It, it, it's a tough road and a tough uh, rope to walk. But uh, I, th I think it could happen. Right now, I'd put the probability at like 35%. Uh, but you just don't know where it's going to go from here. Should we be excited about Lane Thomas or is just minor league depth? Uh, real fast, Micah Harris says, trade fam from Rosario on Twins. That'd be interesting. I don't know if I'd do it, but it'd be interesting. Uh, Lane Thomas... Dirty 35. I'm going to watch on. Dirty 35. Boom. You didn't see it. Uh, Lane Thomas is on the Dirty 35. Lane Thomas is two different players. Again, you'll read about it. But he's a player that is really good and really confident that you think, wow, that kid's going to be a major leaguer. And then the other half of the time, he's tentative and almost looks scared. And that player is going to hold him back. So until, in the immortal words of Master Amon, uh, Meister, Grandmeister Eamon uh, from uh, Game of Thrones uh, uh, kill the child. If he can kill that little bit of uh, uh, concern, that little bit of uh, insecurity that he has as a player, he's going to be a major league player. But right now, he's two different players all of the time. And it's not easy to really get a grasp on what, his, what he's most likely to be. 
Uh, nice Game of Thrones reference from Junior the Fourth. Yeah, I'm full of them. I, I made a Hound reference earlier. Uh, my mind is always in the game, is always in Westeros, as it were. Graham says, Alec Hansen, Graham, I apologize wholeheartedly, and I mean this for not having the write-up of Alec Hansen for you. Um, oh, God, Jake Woodford. I just, I just did my small little write-up on Jake Woodford, so, yeah. Uh, I do understand Game of Thrones, you're right. Uh, if I hear the name, anyways, um... Ah, uh, see, uh, and just that fast, I'm lost. I apologize. Uh, Jake Woodford actually was what threw me off. So here's the deal with Jake Woodford. In the preseason Dirty 30, I said that my major concern with him is that it wouldn't. It's tough when he when you give up as many base runners because at the time he was giving up almost 13 or 14 base runners over every nine innings uh, to be successful as you went along. And I thought it might be best for him to start back at Palm Beach instead of getting an aggressive promotion at 21 at Springfield. And what we saw is that exact same thing. You know, his curveball has come a long way. It has gotten substantially better. I've been impressed by its development. But he's still a pitch to contact hitter. Uh, he still isn't ready for double A or triple A. And he's at triple A right now. And it's more out of necessity than anything. Uh, I think that there's other options at double A who I would much rather see at triple A. But Woodford's there. And that's just... That's where it's at. Uh, he's a classic case of just needs more time to develop. The development could still happen. It's not worth giving up on him. But the key thing to watch is going to be how many base runners he, he puts on base. Because his walk rate is like 3-4, somewhere like mid-threes and he, you know per nine. And his, uh, his hit rate is like 10.5 per nine. And that's where it was last year, even when he was successful. Even when his ERA was 3-10 over his last 10 starts. And... Uh, it's not an easy thing, you know? You drop Kopech from your team soon? Not at all. Uh, I am questioning your effort and athleticism. Oh, I am, I am neither giving effort or being uh, athletic. Why is Mabry still around? I don't know. I don't know either way. I don't know why he's still around, and I don't know why he wouldn't still be around. Uh, why does everyone hate Matheny? I've been asked that a lot. How is Bryce Denton doing this season? Uh, we've been talking a little bit about Bryce Denton on and off. Um, he, he got off to a little bit of a tough start, but over his last three weeks of the season, he's been as hot of a hitter as any Cardinal in the organization. Uh, so great, great turn of, turn of events for Bryce, uh, for Bryce Denton. Still super talented, still super potential laden, still playing a good corner outfield. Uh, keep an eye on Bryce Denton. How are you and Chase doing? I don't know what that is. Denton Carlson and Gorman Perez rank them right, right this very moment. Uh, Carlson because of proximity, uh, then Denton because of proximity, uh, and then Gorman, and then Delvin. Uh, let's, but I mean, more than likely, if you're just going on potential alone, it's Gorman, Carlson, Denton, Perez. If you're talking about most likely to be an all-star, Gorman, Carlson, Perez, Denton. If you're talking about uh, longest major league career, probably Perez, Gorman, Carlson, Denton. I mean, it just depends on what you're specifically looking for. Hope everyone has a second device out. Oh, that's right. So again, real fast, I'm going to raise my glass and I'm going to cheers to Matt Carpenter, who might not be as deserving as the other five last guy in a vote participants or whatever you want to call them. Uh, but it's a goddamn exhibition game that means absolutely nothing, and you're a Cardinal fan, so vote the guy in because it doesn't matter. 
Uh, getting tired, convince me to stay up. I'm not going to. Go to bed. You're making the right choice. Um, let's see. We are at, man, I don't know where we're at. My little clock's gone. I don't have a clue about what time it is or how long we've been doing this. Um, okay, so somebody again asked, oh, wait, hold on. Someone keeps parking in my spot at work, peanut butter under door handle thoughts. So, first off, you need to know what your weather update is, right? Like, you don't want to put peanut butter underneath the handle if it's going to rain. That's a waste of time. Uh, you know, you don't want to do anything harmful. Peanut butter is a good idea. Uh, what's something, maybe like white wine vinegar. Do peanut butter and a little white wine vinegar on that door, although vinegar would probably take some of the color off of the paint. You don't want to do that. Uh, you know what? Just solophane wrap their entire damn car. Just do that. And then, or if you're if you got a little cash flow, just pay to have the car towed like 15 spots. Uh, mayo under their wipers, that's a good one, Lance Dance. Uh, what if they were allergic to peanut butter? Oh, Forever Cards must have hit home. Uh, yeah, that, uh, then how about this? How about just... I don't know. I don't have a, an alternative for peanut butter at this very moment. I, peanut butter is usually my go-to for auto and erotic asphyxiations. Uh, FMK, Alex Bregman, Luis Robber, and Seth Beer. Right now, I'm going to Super Pound Town with uh, that Seth Beer. That kid's a man. I'm marrying Alex Bregman uh, because he's going to be the MVP of the American League, and Luis Robert has a hurt thumb, so he's not useful to me in any capacity. Uh, let's see. Uh, gorilla glue the door shut. No, that's... So, again, we don't want to be... Oh, my God. You know what you do? Is you, you take a page from the... Uh, uh, <laughs> the Adam Wainwright book and what he did to Skip Schumacher is you put like just some random advertisement right on the side of that door. I don't think it's going to go over well, but do that. Uh, would you give Lou Bob a thumb? I'd give him two thumbs. Tell us about how Schilt managing in AAA, his roster wasn't good besides Piscotti. So, uh, the minor league manager thing is it's such an overblown conversation. What a lot of the, what often doesn't get factored in when we talk about the effectiveness of minor league managers is the organizational mandates that have been bestowed upon them. We don't know what they're told. Uh, they might be told you have to stick with a certain pitcher for X amount of innings. Uh, every the Cardinals have an uh, an inning pitch limit cap. I think it's thirty. A player can't throw more than thirty pitches in an inning. It might be twenty five. I don't remember. Um, so there's that one. Uh, but we don't know, like, one of the mandates might be for a reliever, you have to stay in when you struggle. Or yeah, something like that. Like, we don't know what type of rules of conduct uh, the minor league coaches have been given. So it's tough to evaluate them. What I will tell you is that I knew from back then that Mike Schilt was a very well-respected manager, just like Stubby Clapp is. Uh, but... Evaluating what a minor league manager does is pointless because we don't know what edicts they're getting from the organization. What I know is right now Stubby Clap is a hot name to throw around. And what I've seen is I've seen Stubby stick with relievers way too long. Again, that might be an organizational thing. They might be saying, look, if you're not going to lose the game, then just stick with the reliever through the hard times. And even if you're going to lose a game, stick with the relievers through the hard times. I, I don't know. We don't know. It's hard to say. But, you know, Let's pump the brakes on what kind of manager the minor league managers are. There's a lot more that goes into that. De developing players goes into that. It's not easy to get a gauge 
on, on what uh, minor league managers' strengths and weaknesses are. What I know is that for a very long time at Peoria, there was a manager named Joe Cruzel, or Cruzel, who is now the, the, the manager for State College. And I swear that that guy, he's older. Uh, every prospect that has ever worked under, has, has been in one of his lineups, braves about him and loves him. And I know that throughout every organization in baseball, they know him. And I always thought that he'd be a valuable asset to a major league club if that's if that's but other than that I, I don't really have much of a feel in any direction. Uh Oliver Marmol for manager. That's right, GM Gersh. That could be a very interesting one too. Oh man. Minmo asks FMK Alexandra Daddario, Gritch's sister, and Sasha Bader. So here's the thing, is that Alexandra Daddario is too hot. I would never be able to satisfy her in any manner. Uh I mean, I'd be satisfied. Uh, so I, I'd have to disqualify her. Now, what we know about Gritch's sister is that she would bench press that car. She'd be able to move that car that's in your parking spot like this. She'd be able to push that thing to fucking Mercury if she chose to. Uh, so I'm going to do whatever she says, and then Sasha Bader is the opposite. Can we trade for a minor league all-star Tim Tebow? Oh, God. Uh, take a drink for Tim Depot. Tim Depot. Tim Tebow. You know what, don't take a drink. If you take a drink for Tim Tebow, you're doing this wrong. Uh, what happened to Corey Latrell after his suspension? You know, he pitched a little bit and then disappeared off the face of the earth. I think he got hurt. Uh, I don't think, I don't even know if he's in the organization anymore. Hold on. So I'm on my last drink and I don't have my bourbon here. Uh, BQ train to the Rays. Uh, here's what I'm going to do. Stay away from my Sasha. Uh, the Tim Depot episode. This Cards Gifts, write it down. This is the Tim Depot Tebow episode. Uh, uh, how about this? If Danny Mac was here... Uh, oh, yeah, so first, that's what we're going to do. Great recommendation from Browning743. Uh, we raise our glass of water as we drink to Tim Depot Tebow. Because he's sober, bro. I am not sober. So what I'll say is if Danny Mac was in here... Uh, to you, sir. Uh, to someone else in my life, if you're in here, I, I to you. Uh, and then, as GM Gersh says, a drink to Chad Huffman. Wow, drink to uh, a TCU and Luke and Baker and uh, Matt Carpenter. This is not a jug of milk. It's actually from uh, Bush Stadium. You guys stay right there. Uh, I'll be back. Hi. There you are. I missed you. You were gone for so long. I thought you had left. Oh, but hey. Here we are. You. Me. An audience of 100. Just talking. Knowing each other. Feeling each other. Licking each other. Like I promised. I want you to treat me like a golden retriever. Pet me, boy. Pet me, girl. All right, so here's what we're drinking tonight. We are drinking Old Forester. Uh, I'm out, and I don't, I don't have the slightest idea how long we've been doing. Uh, I, I don't have how long we've been doing this for. I don't have the slightest idea there, that the number is gone at the bottom of the screen. I don't know what it means. Uh, oh, God. Oh, no. I'm breaking the machine. I'm breaking the machine. Ah! Yes. I, I'm not lying, guys. I actually fell asleep on the floor tonight. I don't... I don't know how I got there. I'm not kidding. So I was having some laptop problems, and Cards Gifts was working me through it. 
And uh, all of a sudden, I woke up on the damn floor right here. Don't have the slightest idea. Uh, great, now I want salt and shmee, salt and shmee, salt and shmee. Yeah, I, I'm craving salt and smoke. Let's go tomorrow. Cheers to the Marlins beating the Brewers. Hey, Stu Styles, what's up, brother? Stu does the amazing, 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 amazing recaps uh, on a daily basis for Birds on the Black to Stu Styles. Mm. Forever Card says, let's play golf. I am terrible at golf. I play golf a little differently than everyone else, as my friend John Givens and Greg Eschelbach will attest to. I hit the ball, and I run after it. I run right after it, just like a golden retriever would. Oh, my God, I'm a golden retriever. Oh, God, this is so embarrassing. Uh, one thing I want to say real fast before we get into uh, more of Kyle After Dark. Uh, by the way, did B-Love, did Brian Love ever talk about how things went with his date? Or, do we have any idea about how our boy uh, uh, Brian Love is doing? Uh, Brian Love, we need you to tell us uh, uh, how your date went. I am a very, I am indeed uh, a la Moses, a very, very happy golden retriever. God, I'm just bouncing all over the place. This is as bad as it gets. Uh, so again, salt and me tomorrow, Tom McCoy, you let me know. Uh, Forever Cards, let's play golf. I'm terrible. Uh, I'm an embarrassment. Uh, not just on the golf course, but pretty much everywhere else. Uh, Tyler Moustache says this. Yep, yep. I like emojis. I don't know what any of them mean. I was told that an eggplant is a fruit over the weekend. Who would have thought? I just thought it meant excitement. I was also told it meant a dick. Who would have thought? Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, so Stu Styles. One thing I definitely wanted to mention again. Uh, we've had a great, a great turnout with people uh, just buying stuff on the merchandise store at Birds on the Black. Get your hat. Get your knit cap. Uh, get your beanie. Uh, get your dad hat. And uh, finna right out on this bitch. Because right now, man, that stuff, it, it's moving. And you're going to want to get your stuff now because it's going well. Um, <laughs> guys, do not tweet at poor Dan McLaughlin. Let him have his night away from the rabid fan base. That poor guy has, has dealt with more than any one man should ever have to deal with. Uh, wearing my hat now to hide my haircut. Yeah, me too, Remy Grill. Um, I should be hiding my haircut too. Uh, uh, let's see. Get your dad hat, biatch. That's right. Fish and gifts. Oh, I like that. <sighs> All right. Well, we've been uh, we've been going strong. Does anyone know how long? For like an hour and fifteen minutes now. Is that where we're at? Uh, so again, we have very little bourbon left. Uh, we, we've already made a, a, a cheers to Matt Carpenter, to Brian Love, who's on a date or might not be on a date anymore, which is a little concerning. Unless, Brian, you are on a date and it's time for me to sing. Uh, Dan McLaughlin, Mr. Hicks, as always, the godfather. Um, we, we've done a bunch, of, we've done a bunch, bunch, bunch of uh, really, really, really great cheers. Uh, so the last, one of the last ones we're going to do is, and I don't do it enough, uh, I, and I doubt he's here. Uh, yeah, you know what? Never mind. I'm not going to do that one. Uh, I'm going to do Cards Gifts. Cardinals Gifts does a tremendous job. I have, I have him. I have a. I have. I'm struggling. I've put a lot on this plate with this dirty 35 thing, and he's given me a huge hand. And uh, you know, for real, I'm I'm a hack. I am a half talented hack, and he is a full on artist. And I'm just some jackass without him. And that's that is a full absolute truth. So to Cardinals Gifts, uh, everyone should absolutely raise their glass to that gentleman. 
Because until you've worked with him, you don't know how great he is, and you already think he's great. The old lady is making me turn off Periscope. Uh, get, ask her, ask her MFK, say, hey, babe, how are you tonight? Oh, me, I'm feeling good. Don't let her answer. Say, oh, me, I'm feeling good. Hey, MFK, babe, Brad Pitt, Angelina Jolie, and Carson Palmer. And just watch her head explode. She won't understand what's going on, uh, but force her to answer it because that's how all good marriages are made. Uh, means a lot. Thank you. Yeah, you know I mean it, gifts. You're the best. Uh, do we have anything else we want to talk about? We are at the final. We are at last call. Need a Victor update. I don't. Again, I don't know how Victor has done since the weekend. Uh, he was hitting like 270. Uh, strikeouts were starting to tick up a little bit. Still hitting for a couple extra base hits. The power hadn't manifested yet, Graham. Uh, but it'll come. Again, he's still young. Let's talk about. Victor Martinez at the end of the season. Yeah, I've been saying that since the get-go. Let's talk about him beginning next year. Uh, is MM the right manager to help develop those young prospects? I don't know the answer to that question. Look, I think it's easy for a fan to say no. What I think is that we don't know exactly what goes on. Uh, baseball is it's extremely tough. The success rate of first-round draft picks is right around 50%. Uh, it's 56, and it's creeping towards 60, which is a sign that it is starting to get a little bit better. Um, but it still goes to show you how tough it is to be a major leaguer. I think what's happened is that lately, uh, in the recent future, in the recent past, in the recent past, we've done a very good job, myself included, of overhyping the prospects. And I think that that has skewed the organization's expectations of what a prospect can do. And I think that uh, guys like Jordan Hicks who come up and who are lights out and who are dynamic, it makes it tough for guys like Carson Kelly from a perspective, from a fan perspective, when they struggle to like buy into it. Because you see the 21-year-old kid who comes in and is, a, is an immediate sensation. And then you wonder why the kid who has struggled, who was hyped up, isn't doing what he's supposed to do. So uh, what I'm getting at with Mike Matheny is he the right person to develop the prospects. What I'll say is one of the biggest criticisms about Mike Matheny is that he's only a, a, a little league manager. And you can't make the criticism that he's a little league manager and that he can't develop prospects because they're children. Both are children. Uh, and there's a, there's a lot more that goes into it than just... Is he the right person? Because we don't know what's going on. And it's not just Mike Matheny, right? Yeah, you've got an entire coaching staff in there. And Mike Matheny's the head of that. He should be mandating and dictating how shit happens. Uh, but it's not fair to heave that all on him. <sighs> oh, uh, not brown underscore brawn, not brown uh, underscore one. Sup, brawn, how are you? Uh, what I know is right now that it is dire straits for Cardinal fans. We want to change. It would probably be better to have some type of change in any capacity, and it's time for something to be shook up. Never thought of it like that. Good answer, brother. Another great episode. Hey, thank you, uh, K Sodak STL. My pleasure. Uh, again, look at it this way. When you're talking about the manager or the Cardinals, if you feel your blood pressure starting to rise, that means you're probably not necessarily evaluating it as free-spiritedly, and you're probably evaluating more on emotions than anything else. Uh, take a second to... to just think, you know what, realize that you don't like Mike Matheny and then let the realization that you don't like Mike Matheny help paint your exact thoughts 
about what's going on in the organization. If that makes sense, you guys know me. I stumble over words. I'm an idiot. If you had to put together the next Reyes Flaherty Weaver, who would they be? I don't know what you mean by that, Graham. Like in the organization that hasn't made a major league debut, I don't know. Uh, Mr. Human, no doubt. I, I second that emotion. Um, how about this? I, if I had to pick like the next three in the organization, I it would have to be Hudson and Helsley. And then as I look at the big board, uh, Griffin Roberts. It would be those three. We need Glenn Brummer on the coaching staff. He would keep the team morale boosted. I don't know who that is. Hey, Seth Muller, by the way. Seth, welcome to Prospects After Dark. I'm sorry if I've been missing your questions, uh, but uh, welcome to Prospects After Dark, my friend. It's been a pleasure to talk to you these last couple days. MFK, Nolan Gorman, Elarius Montero, and Evan Mendoza. Uh, you know, so... I'm taking the easy way out here. Nolan Gorman has only been 18 for like 60 days, so I gotta kill him. I've gotta kill him because the other two things are gonna get me into a lot of trouble. Uh, a Larry's Montero. I'm willing to bet that that guy's built like Mandingo. I'm willing to bet that that guy goes by Mr. Larry's. And what I mean by that is, I bet that thing is freaking large. Uh, so the side piece, of course. And then Evan Mendoza's a great wife, right? He plays good defense. He hits the ball. He's uh, college-educated. <sighs> That's wife material. Uh, Someone said, well played. That's not well played. It's embarrassing. I am embarrassed by myself. But you guys are entertaining it, so let's keep having fun. I'm having fun. Uh, can you talk about Gorman's GF yet or nay? We don't know, Graham. I need an official update on how old she is before we can talk about that. And hey, this isn't funny. Not funny. If she's 18, it's going to be super funny. But if it's not, then come on now. Let's all be adults. Uh, not her, though. Mandingo, Mandingo Montero. <laughs> Wildcats. Oh, God. Uh, J.R. Davis is playing center field now. Yeah, you know, I like J.R. Davis a lot. J.R. Davis is a, a nice uh, organizational depth piece. Who, I, I don't really have a lot to say about J.R. Davis. So you mean he's got an eggplant? No, I mean that he has a freaking gourd. Uh, someone capture Kyle's serious face, please. The Mandingo Montero episode. I like that, too. Yeah, it only took like two and a half hours to get to the Mandingo Montero episode. Uh, all right, guys. Look, we've been talking long enough. I feel like we've had a tremendously successful little play here on Prospects After Dark. It feels good to be back on a Monday, and I appreciate you all joining on a Monday. Uh, uh... And uh, to, to, real fast, Tyler Thurman, I believe is what it says, uh, I eggplant pad. That's a great shirt. If someone makes that, I would be the happiest ever. Uh, thanks, Kyle. Disturbing, entertaining as always. My pleasure, Eller Market. You're one of my favorite. You're, you're like my new favorite person on Twitter. It's been a pleasure talking with you. Hey, J. David Reed. Hi, J. David Reed. We're about ready to call this thing a night. Um, we're going to raise our glass, right? So the Cardinals have two games against the Chicago White Sox. And then I believe three games against the Cincinnati Reds to end the year. I thought that they played the Cubs for three and then went to Cincinnati. I'm embarrassed by myself. Uh, I apologize. So, how about this? How about a five-game sweep to get him into the All-Star break? That's what we're going to cheers to. We're going to cheers to Matt Carpenter being an All-Star because the All-Star game doesn't mean a damn thing. Uh, so, let's get our guy in there. Uh, we're going to raise our glass for Cole Hamels because he would be a nice little piece to the Cardinals organization if you didn't have to uh, spend a lot. Uh, but most of all, I'm raising my glass, as always, to all of you who watch on a weekly basis. We have a tremendous turnout every week now. We get over 3,000 views, and it's a religious event. Uh, 
not the drinking and the other stuff, but that we're getting that number, and that's all because of all of you. Uh, so again, to all of you, uh, we raise our glass. Prospects After Dark, Monday, July 9th. Uh, to everyone who asked questions, to everyone who participated, you are part of the resistance. For everybody at Birds on the Black, check out the merchandise store. Check out the Facebook page. Uh, it's an incredible, incredible thing that we're doing. Uh, for everybody in the Reese family, uh, I say thank you so much. And happy, 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 happy hunting.